Hey, Scott Graves here, creator of the Kestrel Files, jumping in here to tell you that this show has joined the Apollo Plus program. Apollo Plus is a creator-owned platform where subscribers can help support some cool fiction podcast creators like Tal Manier, Bloody FM, Ransom Productions, and me. Apollo Plus shows are ad-free and I've got some pretty cool bonus content. And if that sounds cool, you can join Apollo Plus by downloading the Apollo Podcast app on Android or iOS, or by going to apollopodcast.com. Again, that's apollopodcast.com or through the Apollo Podcast app on iOS and Android. Thanks for the support. You're listening to a Gravestone Production Podcast. Welcome to our solar system. The year is 2373 Standard Earth Time. Humanity has colonized the planets and brought with them the omnipresent artificial intelligence known as Kestrel. Today, we dive deeper into Kestrel's memory banks to explore the worlds through her ears. Let us continue our journey now. Okay, audio log number five of Operation Phantom Comet. It is day nine of 30 on this rock. Uh, We have spent a few days exploring the forested part of this world, and it is weird, let me tell you. It's not every day you get to walk through a forest of completely alien plants that are a shocking purple color and a floor of a deep bluish violet. It's truly bizarre in all of the best ways. Some of our initial discoveries of the fauna were tough. Uh, We heard a lot of evidence of local fauna in the forest, but we didn't see any for several days. I think it was day four we finally spotted what can only be described as a winged lemur. It has the body of a bird, the long tail of a lemur that ends in a feathered fluff. Uh, It's got large blue eyes and wings that, while feathered, are similar in structure to a bat's, like It's got hands on it, and it's got long lemur legs, but it also has a beak. They don't look light, uh, weight-wise, not in the the way that bird bones are light, but I don't believe they need to be based off of the gravity of this planet. It's minimal, and these creatures can easily fly without it. They're unnaturally strong for the strength of gravity that this comet has. Traditional evolution theory accounts for the natural gravity of the comet as it develops doesn't really make sense with what is presented before us. It's confusing. We named the lemurs Senate lemurs because Senate is obviously in love with them and also spotted them first, so he kind of had dibs on that. We also encountered a creature similar to a Gangadra, or um, what's it called on Earth? Deer. These things basically look like that, but contain a set of eyes underneath their regular set. Uh, The second set of eyes allows them to see infrared, and from the looks of how their retinas process this information, it's heat they're picking up. They didn't have an extreme reaction to the high-heat creatures like us after a little bit, but they do have reactions to the other creatures that we found. It's these short, dog-like creatures with double-jointed limbs. Like, each limb has two elbows. It also runs an extremely low 
body temperature. The only thing we can assume is that these special eyes of the deer-like creatures are there to detect the dog-like creatures. Kennedy thought the dog-like creatures were cool, if not creepy, so they got to name them Kennedy Hounds. Uh, we named the deer Caloroculus, because they're eyes. Um, our initial investigation of the flora revealed a variety of grasses and three different types of trees. Only one of these trees was a short, leafy tree, the other two were tall and coniferous. Um, strangely enough, all of them were flowering trees and seemed to produce nuts. I saw no evidence of pine cones, which is traditionally associated with the the coniferous trees, um, but Senate lemurs are very interested in the nuts produced by the leafier trees. I've yet to name them, so they're still cataloged as coniferous 1, 2, and leafy 1, but their nitrous makeup is strange. And they have a very odd texture. It's very, very soft. Almost like the bark is covered with a thick felt. And everything seems to have hair outside of the Zilladrake on this comet and a few of the insects that we found. I can only assume it's there for what little heat retention is needed on this comet, which would make sense why the plants tend to have hairs. I've ran more tests earlier today on some of the plants native to the area. They die rapidly when exposed to heat levels equivalent to those of Earth's. The climate of the comet runs an average of negative 200 Celsius, and these plants have adapted to that. Rather glad we landed the trailblazer on a rocky patch, because any sort of heat as high as negative 160 degrees Celsius will burn these plants. And here's what's amazing too. The plants contain chloroplasts, or their own version of it. But instead of exchanging carbon for oxygen, they exchange oxygen for nitrogen. Now, the atmosphere on the comet, as we discussed, is heavily favoring nitrogen. But there's still oxygen coming from somewhere. I did a study of one of the Zilladrakes we captured. The creature exhumes oxygen. It burns nitrogen. I'm going to attempt to bring a few of these creatures back with me for further study, and I've already set to converting one of our cargo holds into a possible cage for some of these creatures, hoping we can create a simulated environment of this comet that we can use to further our study of them. They won't survive on any of the planets or moons in our system off the top of my head. But this is a major discovery, and I am selfish, and I want more time to study this place. So, what is going on out there? I'll... I'll be right back. Um, how do I put this? Bad news? Kennedy went out to explore some of the nitrogen lakes. Take some photos. I guess, uh... Senate said they pulled back up to camp in our explorer buggy and just collapsed out of the driver's seat. We've got them in their room, but they're running a fever and unconscious right now. They got bit by something. There's a hole in the glove of their suit and a wound on their hand. I don't know what. Bite. Stab. Like a stinger, I don't... We haven't gone to explore there yet. I don't know why they went to go by themselves. But they're feverish and their whole left arm is inflamed, which means there's a venom in them. I only have a limited understanding of survival care and I'm no doctor. But 
this is most likely a venom that's never been seen before in our solar system. Hopefully they have a picture of whatever got them so we can go back and capture one, study what the venom is. Hopefully they can hang on long enough. But I don't know. We might have to abort the mission early. So I'll I'll have more information later. Hey, Scott Graves here, creator of the Kestrel Files. I just wanted to say that this show has joined the amazing Apollo Plus program. Apollo Plus is a creator-owned platform where subscribers can help support a bunch of shows like Mars Fall, Wireland Ranch, Someone Dies in This Elevator, and this one. You can listen to shows ad-free and get tons of premium bonus content on over 40 shows. For us sci-fi people, I recently listened to Mars Fall, and they have a whole miniseries, interviews, and albums of the show's unique score on there. All of it for $10 a month. That's like having a Patreon account to 40 podcasts for the price of one. On top of that, 70% of your subscription goes directly to creators. This support helps us with getting these shows produced. I know every penny that I earn through this program goes straight into the next season's budget. And let me tell you, as an indie podcaster, every cent helps us keep doing what we love and helps keep the content flowing on a faster timeline. You can join Apollo Plus by downloading the Apollo Podcast app on Android or iOS or by going to apollopods.com. Again, that's apollopods.com, or through the Apollo Podcast app on iOS and Android. Thanks for the support.